Hello, my friends. Thank you, everybody, for joining the show today. Ray Overdorf is back on here, and I got Ray back on here because I wanted to talk about uh, just eliminating those negative beliefs that pop up in your head. And if you're listening to this at some point during your day right now, you probably had some pop in and you've tried to get rid of them. What do you do? I'm in the process as well. I'm in the practice as well. Not saying that I've mastered any of it because I have not in any way, shape, or form. But I think that Ray's somebody who really uh, has throughout his life. So if you go back to episode 361 of the podcast or three, I believe, 51 of the podcast, you can hear these episodes with Ray and just give you an idea of who he is before we start things out. So Ray started and grew seven uh, a seven-store chain of supermarkets from 1983 to 1988. He operated the stores until 2004. While overseeing those operations, he launched his own consulting and coaching business. He's worked with well over 50 organizations, developed more than 7,000 leaders since starting his coaching practice. He also serves as a coach's coach, having coached and certified over 1,000 business managers and executives, as well as coaching individuals in personal development. Ray has also presented hundreds of keynote addresses in a variety of organizations. He has personally worked with Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Deepak Chopra, uh, Les Brown, I'm not going to, Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley, I'm this John Maxwell, okay? I, I think I've named enough. Ray knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's actually a mentor of mine. I'm just, I'm honored to be able to to get him on the podcast and come on here and uh, and chat with me. So it's just, the, it's a chance for me to dig into his brain a little bit and for have you, you for a chance for you to experience what Ray is all about. So I hope you enjoy this. Before we get there, Ray's all about meditation, huge into meditation, uh, and and I am as well. Now he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. We can both attest to the uh, the you know advancement in your life, the clarity in your brain that meditation can bring. And one of the best ways to bring out that clarity uh, the fastest, the quickest, whether you've been a long time meditator or your first time ever, or you're just looking for a way to relax and kind of let all of your senses go and let your brain just kind of chill for a little bit. Or <laughs> I guess in some people's cases, it might not chill. But what I'm talking about right here is a sensory deprivation tank or a float tank. So it's like 2,000 pounds of magnesium sulfate. Very good for your skin. Very good for your body. You lay in this, this, this tank and you float in there. You can't feel anything. You can't hear anything. You can't see anything. It gives your body a chance to decompress. And I go to the LHTA Wellness Center, which is in Evansburg, Pennsylvania. So the LHTA Wellness Center is where I float. And I love what they do there. They do an amazing job. I'm really happy that I found out about them. And if you're listening to this from the central Pennsylvania area, I would go to the LHTA Float Tank or Wellness Center. If you're not from the area, then I would suggest finding your own float tank wherever it is that you live. Because I think every city and every part of the country, uh, most likely, maybe not all of them, but most of them have them by now. So check that out for yourself. Dive in. Find out more uh, about what the float tank is about. And then you'll find out more about what's going on inside of your brain. Uh, if it comes to negative thoughts, then hopefully we can tackle that today with Ray Overdorf. Let's go. This is Rob Z Radio. Oh, that wasn't loud enough. Turn it up a little bit. Come on. This is Rob Z Radio. Ray Overdorf, welcome to the uh, the podcast once again. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Always nice to have you here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So you were on episode 351 and 361, which you knew that before I did. You already had the numbers down. I forgot which episode. Oh, I just remembered it from... Uh, <laughs> Whatever it was months ago. How many months ago was it? I thought you listened to your own episodes a lot. I just assumed that's what was no, going no, on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I listened to them one time. 
several months after we did it, you know. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> that was it. And after I listened to the first one, I took it home and I said, Carol, you got to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife? Yeah. And she liked it, right? Oh, she did, yeah. Cool. That's she good said, news. Wow. <laughs> I, I got another fan then. That's, so who that's... did that for you? Who <laughs> <laughs> was talking? Yeah. <laughs> point, your, point your mic up just a little bit. Make sure you get all your voice. There you go. Perfect. Okay. That's good. So yeah. uh, if anybody wants to find out about you, go back. You can check out the other two episodes. If they need to legitimize your authenticity, they can go back and do that on the yeah, other it's episodes. It's probably going to be a difficult job to do anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on this one, I think, oh, that thing's moving, isn't it? Where it's supposed to be, huh? Okay. It's always hard to say. Is it moving? Yeah. Son of a no, it's fine. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, it is. If you can put the whole bar up higher, and then the microphone can hang down. No, I'm saying if you put it up. Not so much pressure on it, so maybe it's yeah. Maybe it'll work this yeah, that, way. Yeah, that'll probably work. Can you hear it now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? You can hear me now. Um, so yeah, the, the I think that what I want to focus on here because I think this is super important. And you know, you've been mentoring me for a while. We've gone through some really amazing courses together, and one of the things that lots of people, especially uh, well, everybody battles with is is negative thoughts that pop into your brain, negative emotions, right? And I think. Owning my own business, I find that I was just talking to a, a lady yesterday, and here I had uh, Angie Azalitis on from the Azo Group, and we were saying about whenever you own your own business, negative thoughts and emotions are, you know, they can they creep in all the time because mm -hmm. you're running your own thing, you're at the helm, somebody else is in, in control of it, and you can just kind of float along behind them. You have to be in control of this whole deal, and the self development part of life, I think, when you start to own your own business, really kicks in full swing, or you, you understand the importance of it. Yeah, it's, re <coughs> it's really a multiplier. <clears throat> yeah. And you can have all the technical knowledge in the world, but if you fail to realize that the degree to which I develop myself personally is the degree to which I'm gonna be able to be successful. You know, like we just talked about a couple minutes before we went on here about you know, talk to audiences about uh, th the book Think and Grow Rich and ask them if, you know, have you read the book? They raise their hand and how many have read it more than once and three times and then I always come up with, you know, if you haven't read it ten times or more, you haven't read it <laughs> because, you know, there's just so much in there and if we don't have the frame of reference to collect that data to create the concepts in our mind, it's, that information just dissipates. Yeah, or we manipulate it and however we decide well, to in we our take, brain. We take one idea or we take one word and we try to turn it into something else. So it's the interpretation. You yeah. know, we, the interesting thing is we think with our mind and we feel with our body, you know, and if we think a certain or if we think a certain way long enough and we keep doing it, then the body really actually becomes the mind. Mm-hmm. And so that means that the emotions are running the show. Yeah. And uh, when you talked about, you know, breaking the habit of negative thinking, and that's what happens. I mean, you really kind of get yourself in that funk, you know, uh, 
but there's you know it's it's it seems really really difficult to get out of it but it it's not as difficult as it really appears for me personally just from my own experience the most difficult part is noticing it and realizing that it's not me that was that was the hardest step was like to understand like these negative thoughts or emotions aren't who i am they're just the one there's just the thoughts and emotions i grab a hold of maybe the most often out of fear or stress or whatever that well the basis be. of all of that is fear right and the basis of it is fear yeah and and when you get that negative funk or trend that you're in you know one of the things that you can say is almost just what you said that's not me that's just a program mm -hmm. meaning that i had experiences in my life that caused me to feel a certain way and they had them often enough that now when something i experience something that that causes me to feel that same way then i get into that negative funk and and, and i can't get out yeah and you know and so and once you've ridden that road so many times, once you've gone down that path, it's so easy to get into that groove because it's so you're so conditioned to it, right? So you yeah, a habit's nothing more than a belief you just thought or a thought you just keep thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like a belief, uh, and and you keep thinking it. And we can we can switch that real easy, you know, by uh, in, in going to our imagination and imagining the thing that we want to experience. Mm -hmm. And, and, and instead of the allowing the the body, the feeling, when we feel something, you know, then what we do is we send that message to the brain, and then the brain interprets that. You know, well, it's gonna if it's a if if it's a negative feeling you're feeling, then it's gonna interpret it in a negative way. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> and it's also and that's gonna continue on and on and on and I think and this is just from my perspective and looking at other people whenever you go through like the because you've been doing this for a long time right you've been in this practice for a long time of of assessing your brain and how what your thoughts are doing and what your emotions are doing and uh, being able to disconnect yourself from those in, in a way mm -hmm. to where you know that you know you you know who you truly are mm -hmm. not that these thoughts or emotions are, are you they're just the ones you maybe, maybe have grabbed a hold of. But a lot of people, and maybe we could start back here, like in the beginning, like how the steps to even understand, because saying what you just said might be really confusing to somebody because you and I are a little more advanced into into this world. So somebody who's not advanced at all and who's listening to this thinking, man, I, I have these negative thoughts and I can't control them and I don't know how to get rid of them and they are me. This is who I am as a person what would you think is the first step there? The first piece of the puzzle? I mean, obviously pain would be one of the first steps. Like you want to change this, you don't like it. And you see people that are happy, you understand that there's a, a it's a possibility, but sometimes when you're having so many negative thoughts and th those emotions come through, you start to think that those people who seem so positive are, are faking it. Like they're just making it up. And they feel the same way as you do in reality and they're, and they're well, inside. Well, the first thing is you don't want to suppress that negative feeling that you have. And that's what a lot of people do because, you know, you just you just spoke about a book, uh, <clears throat> the Untethered Soul. The Untethered Soul. He talks about that in there as well. When you suppress that, then you actually make it worse. Yeah. So when you have a negative thought, you want to allow that thought to to kind of reach its apex to its highest pain point. But then, you know, 
all emotions are either fear or love. Mm-hmm. And so we have a, a fear part of our personality, we have a love part of our personality. So when you have a negative situation like that, you allow it get to its apex, and at that point in your mind you reach to the love portion of your personality and reach for the highest rung on that ladder that you can get. And so you actually replace that now with that feeling of love and appreciation or gratitude or whatever. And if you do that long enough, the stimulus that was giving you that negative feeling is going to atrophy and go away. One of the things I did like eons ago, just kind of, you know, behavior is is not a very, it's not a absolute science. You know, it's, it can be highly predictable, but really, if you say uh, behavior is a science, it's not. But I've always been uh, introspective. And one of the things I was, when I was being introspective, I said, you know, there's really three of me. Here's the me I want the world to see. Mm-hmm. And here's the real me, which I struggle with trying to figure out who it really is. Mm-hmm. And then I look out there, and here's the me I'd really like to be. Yeah. And see, well, a lot of people spend the majority of their life trying to flaunt the me I want the world to see, which is really, you know, identifying with the ego and putting stuff out there that's not you. And and, and that's trying to satisfy the outside world. That's the phone. That's the phone of you. Yeah. You know, and so that's the one you want to, and the degree to which you expand that phony me as an example, then the real you act actually atrophies and gets smaller. Mm. And the me I want to be gets smaller. Whereas if you begin to back off of, of the, you know, promoting yourself as a phone, something that you're not, mm-hmm. if you, and, you, and you work at getting and identifying with who you really are, and then you begin to grow that. And then you look at, what is it that I really want to do? What is it that I really want to become? What is it? And and really do the research on that and put together a plan and begin. The minute you begin to work on that plan, what happens is the real you begins to expand because it's saying, wow, what took you so long, you know? Yeah. And so now you're beginning to grow in a positive direction. And and so I, I put that together years ago and I've shared it with a lot of people. And most everybody identifies with it. Yeah, you're right. There are three of me, you know, and the one that gets the least attention a lot of times is really the real me, and that's the one that's closest to our soul. Yeah, and that's who we really should be working to to uh, satisfy. And when you're and talking that, about like you know trying to be the person that you want other people to to believe you to be, that often can come from your parents if they didn't accept you as you were, you know, and, and, and you're always trying to conform to be teachers. something else. Teachers. teachers. Yeah. You know, I asked you a question, Johnny, do you know the answer to this question? And Johnny says, no, I don't. Or he stands up. So stand up, Johnny. Give me the answer. Did you do your homework? No. Sit down. Okay. And then he goes over to Susie. Susie, you know, she did her homework and he knew Susie had the answer. He said, Susie, what's the answer? She gives the answer. How many times did that happen in a child's lifetime mm-hmm. in the school system mm-hmm. and, and at home? You mm-hmm. know, so the more that that goes on, then the more difficult it is for people to, and they haven't been trained. They don't have a process. Yeah. That, you know. It's something that's unspoken, never yeah. really talked about in schools yeah. or probably not in most homes either. And, and learning, learning is a process. 
it's not an event. It's a process. You know, and I, and I hesitate to say this, but the business world and some parts of the education system don't understand that, you know. I mean, to the degree that they need to. You know, uh, I put together, and, and I think it was came from, I'm trying to think of uh, Gordon's Law of Learning and uh, uh, Maxwell, uh, John Maxwell, had put together a thing called the law process, and I had done the same thing. And it's looking at unconscious incompetence. It's a four-quad uh, matrix. Okay. And looking at uh, unconscious incompetence, saying I, I don't know what I don't know. So when we're in that posture, and we're all there in certain areas of our life, when we're in that posture, uh, we can't we can't get better. Yeah. So awareness or learning becomes the key to the next step. But that only says, okay, now I know how dumb and stupid I am. You know, I now know what I don't know. And, and a lot of times it's where education stops. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, that, and so we don't really learn anything. We, we, we get the information, become aware of it. We play it back. We get, a, we get a grade score, but we never apply it. So knowledge in and of itself is not power, but applied knowledge is. So what's the step? What's the strategy to move in? to making something happen with that information. Mm-hmm. And that takes work, it takes effort, and it takes practice, 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 practice. Yeah, and I think it hurts. It right? does. I mean, it's painful, and that's, I think, one of the hardest parts is you're gonna, it's going to be, to get rid of those negative emotions, you're probably going to experience more pain. You you have to. You, you need, have to. You need to. Yeah. You need, uh, <clears throat> there's a book out there called Seed of the Soul. Okay. Uh, the author leaves my name right now, and it shouldn't because I know, probably because I got this mic in my <laughs> face. <laughs> Pressure's on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and, and, uh, he, he really has, he really has a handle on, <coughs> on, shoot, and the whole change, change situation in terms of, and, and his position is, and I agree with him because for myself, I, a lot of, many times, you know, out of wanting to be positive, when negative things would go up, I would just suppress them. And it's like putting a lid on a boiling pot of water. Right. You know, it has to get out sooner or later. You're, you're almost feeding the fire. You are that. feeding the fire. And what would happen then, I'd lose my temper and I would go not so, you know. And so you, gotta, you need to be able to let that boil and let the steam come out, but then what's the alternative to that and if you think that our emotions are all rooted in the either fear or love and know and there's all kinds of different uh, fears that come under each one of those categories but if we can feel that fear and know that the love part of our personality has something to offer and you go to that part of your personality and, and if you continue to do that every time. So the key is awareness. It's knowing what you don't, don't know and then beginning to take some kind of action mm-hmm. to, to overcome that. I mean, I, I, to me, that's the key. And as I said, you know, behavior is not an absolute science, but it is predictable. And most of what I've learned is through contemplation, introspection, meditation, and life experience. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I've just done it over and lots of lots of times, and I was never willing to satisfy 
or accept what well, can't be done or I can't change or you can't change. I was never willing to accept that. <laughs> I, I'm not buying. When people say I can't change, I said, I'm just not buying. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I used to say that to my wife. I, it's funny that you say that right now because I was just we were just talking about this the other day, and she was talking um, in the past, like years ago. She, I, I, she would tell me like I could change the way I thought. I'd be like, I can't change. These are my thoughts. This is me. This is who I am. This is probably like a you know less than a decade ago. Like I can't change me. This is the person that I am. I honestly believed that. And as long as you believe that, no, you're not going to change. But when you start to see the little the cracks in the lining, like oh oh wait. I, I can switch that if I if well, I put the work in. Well, it, and that's a part of the awareness. The awareness fact there is that number one is that isn't who you are. Mm-hmm. It's only interpretation. But when you haven't learned that process, when you, when you don't know, you like you just what, what did you call that unconscious incompetence? Un- unconscious incompetence. I like that. That's and then good. what happens is then you go to conscious incompetence. So you're consciously aware of. So now you know that you're a jerk, you know. Yeah. And then, but then where do you go from there? Most people stop there. Right. You know? And where you want to get. And they're like proud that they're a jerk or yeah. something like that. So then you, where you want to get to is conscious competence. Mm. And that's where, you know, where you elevate your consciousness. You think about what you're doing. You think about why you're doing it. And then you practice, practice, practice. And at some point, you cross over the bridge into conscious or uh, unconscious incompetence and that's when you've created a habit you've mm-hmm. changed the behavior and now you do it automatically right so it's a process and when you understand the process it's not that difficult and it's, that's what any learning is a process but this is I mean, you're talking about time here you're talking about years and that and i think that's the peop- thing people struggle with and whenever i i told myself this years ago like when i really wanted to change the way that i was internally i knew like I, I just accepted the fact, like if if I've been living this way for say this was say say it was like I was like 28 when I thought I thought of this or whatever, or 31 or whatever. Like if I'm 31, and I've been living this way my whole life, this is gonna take a while to undo. Sure. So that that's something you have to just accept, and that can be frustrating, <clears throat> right? Because you want to just do it now. I want it to change. I I'm thinking differently. Make it stick. Yeah, more more so today than ever because we're yeah. in this instant society. Everything is instant, and we we want it now. But but the other point that you made me think about is the fact that we relate to the interpretations of our thinking and the emotions. Every thought has an emotional counterpart, you know. And and of course, the thought can be the stimulus. But if we do it often enough, then this the the actual feeling. So in this point, the feeling becomes the stimulus, mm. and the thought responds to the feeling, and that's when the body really becomes the mind. It takes over, mm. and and now you're in a situation where how do I how do I, that becomes more difficult to change? But we yeah. we, we many times look at our experiences and say this is who I am, and this is not who we are. This is just where we've been. Mm-hmm. This is the road we've traveled. You know, this is a journey that we've been on. And I am not this negative thought. That's just the program that I received on that journey. Mm-hmm. And I can change that. One of the things, that, and I, I repeat, repeat this to a lot of people that you told me, I don't know where you got the information from, but you could probably tell me that, that we have about 80,000 thoughts a day. 70, 80,000 thoughts a day at least. And what, 90, 99% of those are old thoughts. 
The same Lester, thoughts you had yesterday. Same, same the day before. Years before. The day before, and, day before. So and think about that and like, man, that is, you just think about that right there. And, and it's so, once, once you put that in your brain, you're like, well, yeah, of course. Why would I have new thoughts? How would I get them unless I am out there learning new things and, and, and pushing my, my brain to learn, right? Yes. If you don't do that, then you're going to live in the same thoughts. So when you think like, like trying to imagine yourself, uh, somebody, just to give an example, like, you know, somebody says, I'm, I'm going to fly an airplane. And you're like, well, you don't know how to fly an airplane. You, don't, you How could you ever do that? You don't know how to. And you t- your brain would say, yeah, you idiot. You don't know how to fly an airplane. You've, you've never done that. Why would you? But of course, your brain would might say that because it doesn't know the experience of, of learning how to do it. So your brain's always going to refer back to not knowing because it doesn't know. Then I talk myself in a circle there. I can't think of it. We're all there at some point. I think the best example that comes to my mind right now is Roger Bannister. And most everybody knows that he broke the four-minute mile. Mm -hmm. And he didn't break it by minutes. He broke it by seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, prior to that, everybody said, you know, if you tried to to beat the four-minute mile, your heart would explode and jump out of your chest. (laughs) You know, I mean, they said it's it's impossible. can't be done. Right. But he did it. How did he do it? And within, because he believed in it and he worked at it and he worked at it. And then within like 30, 30 days or 13 days, like 40 some people broke it. Isn't so that unbelievable? Once you break that barrier, that perceived barrier of limitation, yeah, then you open it up for the whole world. Yeah. Everybody has it now. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. It's incredible. And the same thing with the Wright brothers. You can't fly a plane. You can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Well, once they broke that barrier that they did fly, but it was only forty feet. You know, the first run. Yeah. And once they broke that barrier, then everybody starts thinking, "Oh my God, you can't fly." Yeah. It's a whole different story. And so that person, Robert Bannister or the Wright brothers, they had such a strong imagination. Yes. Would you put that that yes. way? Their imagination was so strong that they could visualize that happening even though it had never been done before. And they had broke out their own limiting thoughts and their own limiting emotions because they had a belief and that's the and that's the beauty. We all have that. So when you think about this awareness, awareness, acceptance of what is, acceptance of what is allows us to make choice. Mm. And then once we make choice then we can go. We can go anywhere we want to go with it. Yeah, it's up to us, you know, as to how far we want to take that. Yeah, I guess the the toughest part is because I look at somebody like that. I always go back to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but time and time again, because I always remember reading his book and like. He, well, you were right in the time when he was in his best too. Yeah, yeah. You were growing up, and my dad loved him, and I've always just kind of idolized him. And like he always talked about his vision. He would vision. Yep. When he won Mr. Universe, when he won Mr. Olympia, when he became a world-renowned actor, when he became the governor, like he would physically vision that in his head. And I guess some people are just either lucky enough to be born with that imagination and vision and confidence, or it was given through you know their family, like somebody in their life. Somewhere in his association, he picked up on the idea, but it's exactly right because anything in a, of a material nation or uh, nature or accomplishment before it is manifest as we can see it or you know whether it's a physical thing or whether it's us accomplishing something it has to be 
in 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 a in a vision in a non-material sense, and so what he was able to do, whether you understand that process uh, intellectually or whether he just discovered it, it doesn't matter because that's how we can create anything in our lives. Mm-hmm. Is we we have that gift, the gift of imagination, instead of resort, instead of allowing our our past experiences you know uh, to our memory and our emotions to use us there's times when we want to use that information because some of it's good but we can use our imagination Mm -hmm. to create whatever it is we can create Mm -hmm. and then we can live into that imagination and that's when you're creating a whole new uh, uh, set of feelings yeah and emotions for yourself because you're actually creating your your life by design by using your imagination to to picture to visualize that and the more detail the more intensity and the more frequency adds to compressing the time between when we have that vision and when we're able to see that vision in its fruition yeah it's just attaching it to your emotions attaching it as a part of you yeah. and what you were saying there at the beginning it was, it was really super important and I, I didn't realize it when I was younger but like whenever you're saying the more you reject that emotion and push it back down and I do I still do this with my wife kidding, she says that I keep her from having emotions because I don't want to feel the emotion because she can have a strong emotion and let it go I get a strong emotion it sticks to me and that makes perfect sense to me because that is exactly what has happened throughout our relationship is she has a strong emotion and I I try to force her to repress it because I don't want to feel it. But I you have to accept it. You but have to let a, it. Actually worse than that. It's actually worse than that because the feeling of fear that expresses itself in fight or flight, uh, that goes back to our our, our you know our background, our heritage when when that was a good thing yeah. because lives we were at stake. You needed it. And, and so you went into fight flight. Now, when you feel that emotion, you're supposed to suppress it. Well, what happens is if it can't go outward, then where does it go? In. It goes inward. And so it ends up creating stress and it ends up, actually can turn into disease mm-hmm. because you're you're turning that energy in and you want to be able to let that energy get out. But then how do I manage it once I let it out, you know, rather than going crazy with it? Yeah, but that's the first step. Like, that's the first stage. Yes. Past that, what would you say is, if you can manage to do that, and say you do it once or twice, and you notice, wow, I'm letting these emotions out, I don't feel quite as bad, what's the, because the, the thoughts are going to keep coming. It's not like, I, I let the negative emotion out, I'm all better now course finished like it's just like the beginning chapter right so what's like the stages past there that that you've experienced and you know that, that really everybody experiences well I, I think as a society we've allowed ourselves to become externally influenced or externally directed and you, you know we've in my lifetime I've seen that shift where we we've become more externally directed and more me focused mm-hmm and I think that that has to shift because in order to really appreciate or if we assume that happiness is outside ourselves, 
and and we make that assumption, you know, then the assumption in and of itself says that I can't be help happy unless other people allow me to be happy. Yeah. I mean, what an absurd assumption to make, actually, when you think about it. It's ridiculous when you when you really think, yeah, when you put yeah. it into perspective like that. Yeah. So you're relying on other people to yeah. make you feel the way you want to feel. I mean, it goes in a relationship. You know, uh, I can't be happy unless you love me. That's a bunch of malarkey. I mean, you, that's not true. Yeah. You can be happy whether somebody responds to your relationship or not. I mean, happiness is about giving what you have to offer, giving love, giving respect, giving uh, caring for someone else. And that is the happiness. So the thing that we're, most people, and I'd say many, but most, are searching for outside themselves lies within. Mm -hmm. And so I'm of the opinion, and this is one of my focuses, is that we have to make that shift from being externally directed, internally focused in terms of what's in it for me, to being internally directed, connecting, understanding that I'm not a standalone, separate individual from this whole universe and and everything that's going on. I'm an integral part. I'm a connected, I'm like a drop in the ocean. Mm -hmm. I'm part of it. And if I think I'm separate and I'm operating like the ocean isn't a part of me, you know, and it is, then I'm misleading myself. And there's no way to happiness. Yeah. Because I'm saying it's outside itself. It's judgment and it's doubt and fear. Mm -hmm. You know, we're when we make when we begin to make the shift to being more internally directed and through contemplation through meditation through through the idea of when you get an when you're in that funk of a negative emotion or when you're in that situation <clears throat> excuse me and you're you're feeling that negative allowing that to come up but then realizing that through awareness, through acceptance, comes choice. And I can choose another feeling. Mm -hmm. And then I can choose another interpretation. <sighs> to, to say it sounds so wonderful, to, when you're in the moment of, of anger or fear or whatever, what, is, what, what, what practical thing do you do, because you've practiced this for a long time, to, to grab another emotion? Like, what is that? What does that actionably look like for you? Well, you look at a time when, when you felt good. It can be, I mean, you can create some. Maybe you're at your beach or you were at a, uh, a birthday party or you were at a family event or anything that where you had that good feeling. Mm -hmm. And then use that as your, is kind of like your anchor and continue to look for those kinds of things. And then you can go get those and use those at that time when you need it. So you're saying like hold hold on to that. <clears throat> when you think of the emotion or you think of the event and the emotion you had with it, you, you've attached the emotion, so you're just kind of extracting that emotion from that memory. Yeah, and no different than what you're doing with the negative emotion. Now you have a positive emotion that over here and now you're, you're reaching for that emotion, you know, that, that expression that you have. And when you understand that everything is either love or fear. All emotion is either love or fear. It's rooted in one or the other. So you reach for the, the emotion of 
love and joy and peace and think, when was the time when I felt joyful? When was the time when I felt peace and serenity? You reach for that rung on the ladder and that becomes your, your growth opportunity, your, your step forward. And that's going to be something that you have to do over and over and over, over and over, over again. again. Because it's not going to work right away. It's going it, to be very but hard. But it gets easier. Yeah. And the more you do you, it. Once you see some success. It, and I'll use my father as an example. <clears throat> my father was a Pennsylvania Dutch, very strict, very structured, very um, stern. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, we were in literature class, and the, the, the instructor said that nothing's either good or bad except that thinking makes it so. And I raised my hand and I said, come live with me for a week or so. And I said, you'll see that differently. Yeah. They said, who, who was this guy anyhow, you know? And so he starts talking about Shakespeare and that, you know, like 20 years later, I'm saying, what a genius, you know? <laughs> but the world that I lived in was very clear, right and wrong. It yeah. Was, it was black and white. And that was it. And Pop did a very good job of raising us. And a lot of times I didn't. I wasn't very happy with him. But when I restarted thinking about it and I looked back, I said, did he ever do anything other than something that he knew he thought was going to benefit? He cared for and he loved us and he did the, he made the tough decisions that he thought he had to make mm-hmm. in order to, to teach and train us to be good people. And I respect him for that. When I changed my interpretation of what I initially felt in those situations, my whole interpretation of my father changed, and I, and I and I idolize him now. You had to get you had to be disconnected from it, or or I guess just grow up to, to and, be able and to really see think it. it through. Yeah, yeah, and really, and so the process of I can change. And the point I'm trying to make is, you can change. But first, you have to be aware. Second, you have to accept what is. And then the third step is make a choice. Mm-hmm. With a choice, you always have the opportunity to make a choice. When we, when we were starting to do this podcast, before we started, you said it's, it's very simple. It's really very simple. That's yeah. the funny thing is that, I mean, it is simple. But like, I didn't say it was easy. It's not easy. <laughs> but the concept is simple, right? The hardest part is going back to it and hitting it over and over and over again to, to, because it's so... It can be, it's so painful to want to, it's, it's so, there's so much pain involved in like, I failed again. You beat yourself up over it, get yourself into more negative thoughts because you failed it. And it's like, but if you, if you find yourself making a little progress, yeah. I don't think there's anything in life more euphoric. Yeah. Than basking in that. When, when you make progress and you make personal development part of that, and when you feel, I mean, it's addictive. Mm-hmm. You, when you see some progress in yourself and you, you whether you read a book, listen to tape, went to a seminar or whatever, and you actually applied that information, you said, my God, I, w- I could never believe that I could do this. You know, or I never believed that I, that I could get rid of this emotion that I lived with for years. Yeah. But then when you see that change and now you're, you're, you're kind of hooked. Yeah. You know, you're like, you know, give me more of this. Right. <laughs> And I think also one of the tough parts of that is, because this just happened to me the other day, whenever you have like a really good day, I had a really good day the other day and I was like just basking in the good day and man, it was so wonderful. It was so, later on that night, I started having negative emotions and I, and I was, I was starting to get like just, I was just 
getting into my old funk, I guess it would be what you could call it. And I was like, Rob, two hours ago, you were just like living, you know, in cloud nine, like you had a great day and you were really happy about the way the day went and you got things accomplished that you really wanted to do and it was a big step forward. But now, all of a sudden, you've like this, you've just forgot about those great emotions. You forgot about how good the day was and now you're living in this, this other place. I guess it's the place that I tend to come back to. You know, that's like the old place that I used to be in a lot. So I've internally just told myself, and I've heard this through meditation many times as well, like you have to let both of those, the good and the bad, don't, don't, don't revel in either one for too long because both of them are kind of, both of them can be toxic. See me if I'm explaining this correctly, but in my mind, it's like if you revel in something that was really, really good and you really try to live in that moment, you're only going to become sad that you're not in the moment anymore you're only going to be sad because you're not going to be able to like you can't live in that spot forever it happened it's in the past it occurred be happy for it but don't try to live in it and relive it you can relive the emotion you can bring the that feeling back up as you said and try to put that in other situations when you're feeling bad but um if you try to stay in that spot you're going to be disappointed because you can't stay in that high level of uh, happiness, or am I wrong on that? How you're for you. Well, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Mm-hmm. So I think part of what you were saying is I was getting my happiness from my attachment to that event. Yeah. Now, yes. If you get your happiness from the, your attachment to that event, then by the virtue of the fact that you were attached to it, and life is ever changing and things evolving, there comes a point where you're going to be unhappy. Yeah. Because you're going to lose that attachment to that no matter what. Yeah. But if you appreciate the experience and you let it go, and that's the secret, whether there's an attachment to a, a positive, I went to the shore and if you attached, I mean, I, we owned a beautiful house up on, uh, on the hill, you know, 40 some hundred square foot and all the amenities and, and uh, we lived there for 30 years. And, and one day I was cutting the grass and I said, you know, a guy shouldn't hold himself hostage to a decision he made 30 years ago. Now it's time for me to move on. And I loved living there, but I wasn't attached to it. Walked away never went back and never felt anything mm-hmm. other than the joy and the pleasure of have, having experienced it. And that was in a material thing. Yeah. Had I been attached to that, then I'd constantly be going back and saying, oh, I wish I were back there. I'd be unhappy, whatever. Yeah. So whether it's a negative emotion that you're attached to or th- event or thing or material or it's a positive, either way, the, one of the Buddhists say the answer is detachment. Mm-hmm. Don't be it. You can experience it. You can enjoy it and appreciate it. But once you attach yourself to it, then you become subject to being unhappy. Yeah, right. Because you've attached yourself to that that place and that feeling, and you're n- it's never going to happen again. You can no. never get it back. So you're just going to be chasing a mirage. Yeah. Okay. I think it's this the same way with people. I mean, I, I already used my father, so I'll use him again. And when he he, he passed away fairly early in his life, and I was extremely resentful for a, a day or two. Yeah. And then I stepped back and I looked at him as a, and I really thought about what he was all about, what he did, and what he did for us. 
And I said, you know, he did his work. Mm -hmm. He's free to go wherever. Mm -hmm. And and I, I have nothing but, uh, you know, honor and appreciation for what he did for all of us, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so it's it's how you're able to to uh, interpret. Life's an interpretation. You your back, own. <laughs> your own. <laughs> Go back to how we started out. You know, we think with our mind. We feel with our body. You know, and we feel with our body. And our mind interprets those feelings. And the thought, yeah. And, and sometimes it gets a messed up, you know. Right, because we don't. Because uh, we don't associate them just as feelings. We're attaching them to events and situations, and, and yeah, and, and that's the real problem. Yes, yeah, you know, whether good or bad. But the bottom line, I think, is the the the, the goal, the ultimate goal for me in life is happiness, and I'm in charge of that. And I can, you know, I can seek those things that 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 uh, that bring me pleasure and and happiness. And I can and avoid those things that don't. But if I get myself in a situation, I'm aware that I'm there. I accept it. I make another choice. Mm-hmm. I can choose whatever I want. Yeah, let's 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 cap it on that because that's good. You can choose whatever you want. You got to put the practice in. You got it's it's a constant work in progress. Yes, but a work in a positive direction because you're never. You're either going forward or backwards. You're never standing still. You no. think you're standing still, you're going backwards. You're going backwards. So you have, exactly. to, you, you have to push yourself to that spot. And personally, I'm extremely excited to get to that spot. I mean, the work is, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a lot better at it, and I feel like I'm more satisfied in it. And, and the thing that I've learned is when you do the work and you continue to progress in my life, there's nothing more euphoric than that personal development, that personal growth, that you know, understanding something better and being able to express differently and that caring what you what you put out there, giving and putting people out and helping people. Mm-hmm. You know, first learning about for yourself and then sharing that with other people. You're trying to get it from other people all the time. There's, the joy isn't there. That's a selfish move and it's not there. But when you're able to share uh, information and care and you care about people and, and you learn and then you share, I want him to put on my my stone, you know, he cared and he shared. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I, yeah. that's, that's excellent. I love that. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that hopefully people listening to this got a good sense. I don't know where you're at in your journey, whoever's listening, but uh, there's a lot of you know, there's many different places where you can get this kind of information, but I think until you sit down and like really just uh, start working on it yourself and you start to see the, like you said about seeing the progress, like I notice whenever I see like progress and like say my wife and I get into an argument and in a situation where I used to explode and lose my mind, now I'm calm as a cucumber, which does happen now. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then when you recognize that and you're like, holy cow. I used to like lose my mind over something like that, a little and you, trigger. And you begin to see yourself differently. Yeah. And, and you're I, proud of yourself. Yeah, like that just you, makes you proud. You begin to express differently on a day in, day out basis. Because I don't care how much you <clears throat> might enjoy, you, you think that you enjoy lashing out on somebody, releasing all that energy, whatever that is. There might be joy in the moment, but there's shame afterwards. Yep. Whether you want to admit it or it's like, you know, in your subconscious or whatever, like there's a, there's shame involved in that. And. Uh, when you get to your, when you get to the point of, you know, not wanting to 
get retribution on somebody. Just maybe almost feeling maybe feeling sorry for them in a way or what would that what would that be like but just have have empathy for them would be the way to say it i guess when you can have empathy for them instead of wanting to get revenge on them like there's there's nothing more powerful than well that. revenge is toxic yeah for you and for them you yeah. know and so we don't and and our whole society until we really get that message i mean uh, we've you know we did what we had to do when we had to do it but we didn't quit soon enough we haven't started to look at things differently. And until we stop trying to get revenge on those who violate our civil rules and regulations, we're going to have the kind of challenges that we have. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to give up on that. You know, as long as we have, you know, people probably hit you over the head once they hear this, but as long as we use capital punishment as a revenge tool, and as, as terrible as taking somebody's life is, is it any different taking somebody's life for that person that that took somebody else's life? What is different about that? The the person who did it themselves, like it's just who did it. Yeah, here a committee did it, or an entity did it. Mm-hmm. Here an individual, they had good reason. They thought for what they did. Yeah, and so this this entity over here said they had good reason for what they did. And until we get over that, until we grow beyond that, yeah. we're, we're going to ha- we're going to still have these challenges in our society because that undermines who we really are. Well, especially when you're throwing somebody in jail for like being addicted to drugs, like it's obviously there's something internally wrong with them that they like they need therapy compared yes. to being locked in a cell or whatever uh, that might be. Uh, you know? What kind of growth are you going to get from that? Yeah, it's not the whole system has to change its philosophy and then it can do it it's been done you know and uh there are countries where they're doing it mm-hmm. germany as an example has done it's got some really good uh and they had to go e- through examples they had to go through the worst to get to the best right yeah. sometimes you got to go through all the pain exactly, to get to the exactly. sometimes you have the awareness acceptance of who they really were and said so we don't like what we're looking at here yeah that's a great uh, and, example, yeah. And 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 they made a choice to begin to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so there's, there's we got a long way to go. Lots of opportunity. <laughs> Something to look forward to, <laughs> to, right? One soul at a time, right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks, Ray. Thank you very much. It's great it, to be here. If people want to find, is there one way they can get a hold of you? Like if they are interested in talking to you, if they listen to this and like I got I got to talk to Ray. What would you suggest they do? Well, there's there's a multiple ways, and you can go to my website, uh, or um, I'm sorry, my email, which is roverdorf at aol.com or ray at trueadvantagegroup.com, or you can always call me on the phone. Uh, I don't have a message on my phone just because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back to people or not. So just call if I don't answer. I mean, I usually answer all of my calls within 48 hours. But 814-312-6422. And I'd love to talk to you no matter who you are. Cool. Thanks, Ray. Thank we'll, you. We'll talk to you next time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed Ray. He's such a great guy. And uh, if you like this if you like this episode, please go back and listen to the other two episodes with Ray. Uh, 361 and 351. Ray was on both of those, and he dropped lots of knowledge on those as well. So... 
The episode on 361 is really about this uh, Intermetrics Advanced Insight profile that you can take. It's like a, the holy grail of personality profiles. I went through it, and then Ray and I went through it together and discussed it on the podcast. That was on 361, and then if you go back to 351, uh, it was my first introduction uh, of Ray to my, my podcast. So it was kind of just an idea of how to create the best you, really, is what we what we dove into. And they're both fascinating, along with this one, so thank you for checking it out. Also, I'd very much advise you to check out DDP Yoga. All right, DDP Yoga, Diamond Dallas Page, old school wrestler from back in the day, created this magnificent yoga program. And I think you should dive in and try this thing out because DDP Yoga has changed my body, changed my life. And I'm not just saying that. I'm 100% serious. They don't pay me to promote them on here. I mean, I do get free access to the app, which is a great trade-off because I use it all the time. Uh, But what's really cool about DDP Yoga is it's an app, right? There's hundreds and hundreds of workouts on this app. You can have it on your phone, on your iPad. So I have an iPad and an iHome for my TV, right? So I have it on my iPad, and then I project it onto my main TV screen. And I have, like, if I'm looking down, I can see it on the iPad. If I'm looking up, I see it on my TV. It's a great way to work out and a great way to... Uh, it's a different level of yoga. It's a different kind of yoga is what I should say. It's more active, intense yoga. It's more energy, high energy. Like, I, I like relaxing yoga sometimes, but I love high energy yoga. And that's what DDP yoga brings. And, you know, I, I lifted weights for a long time. I've done a bunch of different physical activities. I'm not going to go into all those right now. But nothing has ever given me better satisfaction than DDP yoga. When I'm done with these workouts, I am fully satisfied. I'm not saying that to try to sell you anything. I'm being 100% honest with you. And when I don't do it for several days, right now I'm on, I'm three days off, and my body's like asking me for it. Like, Rob, when are we going to do DDP yoga again? I'm 100% serious on that. You need to try ddpyoga.com. Thank you, Zebras, for listening. All the music on this podcast is by my man, Jake Over. Jake Over. Find him on Facebook. He's a music producer. Does an awesome job. I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace out. This is Rob Z Radio.